to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, co-host Justin Baker, joining us via satellite. Via satellite. That's a little better than remote, right? Uh, It's satellite. It's good enough. Uh, Yeah, it's it's been a a little crazy of a week in terms of playoffs and, and lots of shuffling going on. I swear the Western Conference, I go to sleep. And I wake up and the standings are different. Like I'll fall asleep at midnight and the standings are different when I wake up in the morning because yeah, of one of those other games ending. And, you know, it's it's crazy how much it's adjusted. In reality, there's four teams within one point of each other. And three of those teams are tied for the same <laughs> amount of points. Colorado's the only team with one less point. So, and and they've all played about the same amount of games. It's just St. Louis has played one less game than everybody else. So, I mean, this thing is going to come down to the wire. I don't think there's any doubt about it. This is just, it's what it's going to be. It's it's going to be the last game of the season. We may not know who's in until the buzzer sounds. Yeah, and the great thing is, is the last game of the season for Colorado, they're playing St. Louis. And that, yeah, exactly. The winner, it could be like 2010 when the winner of a shootout was the one that went to the playoffs. Do you remember that? When it was uh, the Flyers and the Rangers in the last game of the season, and they went to that shootout. And of course, it seemed somewhat inconsequential at the time because didn't one of those teams was uh, was the eight seed or or the seven seed, maybe it was. and, And they ended up, the Flyers ended up going to the finals. Yeah. Was it that? Was it that year? The Flyers? Yeah, yeah. It was that year yeah. with the final mm-hmm. So yeah, just crazy. Uh, yeah. So Colorado plays. They they do play Anaheim on the first as well. So in a couple of days they play Anaheim. So that'll be a a big game. You know those those games in between. And then so they actually play Anaheim, L.A., and then they play San Jose, and then they play St. Louis. So Colorado gets to play everyone that they need to pass. So I mean they've they've got a good a good shot at it. They get to play all three teams that are ahead of them, and all they have to do is win. That's it. Simple as that. <laughs> Let's hope so. Oh, you're so you're you're uh, adamantly pushing here for the Colorado Avalanche. Is that is that what it is? You know what? As a Detroit Red Wings fan, you know the the like ten year old in yourself would hate you right now. Yeah, you know I'm I'm a little torn about it. But if I'm being 100% honest, I think I would almost rather, and I think it's more or less just because of McKinnon and Rotnin, Rotnin, that I would rather see those two guys in the playoffs than, you know, a team like L.A. or, you know, even Anaheim is kind of looking, I mean, outside of John Gibson, I mean, Colorado just seems a little bit more exciting to me if you're if you're pushing for ratings and viewership. But, I mean, let's face it, Anaheim built for the playoffs, so they get in, they can just turn it on in a second but you know la i'm not too not too keen on still but you know yeah and and that's where if we're rooting for the best story then certainly we're rooting for the avalanche because that's just i mean the knowing where they came from last year to where they are now i mean the st louis st louis angle is fun because they were so far in it and then they fell out of it and now they've decided uh we're actually going to be good again and they've they've won six in a row, eight and two in their last ten, and they've mm-hmm. they still have a great chance at making it. They actually have that game in hand, so that that comes in handy. Um, but yeah, the Avalanche definitely the best story. Now Anaheim is 
pretty interesting as well, seeing as how many injuries they sustained in the first month of the season. I mean, we you go back and we could listen to old episodes and we would hear us talking about how almost we felt bad for the Ducks having to go. I mean, we, we made jokes right. about uh, them being the San Diego Gulls because there was just <laughs> so many minor leaguers up on their on their pro roster. It was just, it was insane. Uh, but I think that really is, is the story actually the fact that Dallas has fallen so far out of the picture. I mean, they're five points out there. They still could mathematically get in. Uh, but I mean, they're not, yeah, that's getting, a shame. they're not getting in. I mean, for a team that, you know, made the big coaching change, brought in the, the big goaltending, you know, uh, Ben Bishop being hurt now, and it's it's kind of it's kind of depressing when you look at their core guys of you know Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, Radulov, and you know you just Klingberg. You look at these guys and you're like, man, these are guys that you want to watch in the playoffs if you're a hockey fan. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Especially Sagan and Ben. I mean, there's there's few teams with more superpower on one line, and and throw Radulov into that that mix as well. I mean, that's an exciting top line to watch, not to mention, uh, Oh, why am I blanking on their top D man's name? Uh, who leads Klingberg, Klingberg who is like what top three in scoring in the league too. So, and yeah. the fact that their goaltending is okay, makes them an exciting team to watch because they usually have to outscore the opponent. Yeah. Even though I think, what was it? Uh, Carolina hasn't won like any of his last eight starts or something. It's been horrific to say the least, but he's still holding up like a nine seventeen save percentage. That's, so it's that's it's true. Respectable. You can't ask much more from a backup goaltender to put up average stats. I mean, a nine seventeen is is about average. So yeah. it's yeah, you're right. He's he's playing just fine. Uh, can we can we stroll into the Eastern Conference for a moment? Let's let's take a walk. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're looking at far fewer teams in the race. I guess, technically, if you look at it, I mean, Florida could still catch New Jersey. That's certainly the team that, if you're the the Florida Panthers, you're keeping an eye on the New Jersey Devils. Uh, we're recording this. It's 6.15 on March the 29th. It's a Thursday. Florida plays, plays Ottawa. New Jersey plays Pittsburgh tonight. So, I mean... By the time you're hearing this, some of this could change, which is fine. Uh, either way, I mean, even if if New Jersey's won and Florida lost, there's five points separating them with Florida having six games left. It's still mathematically possible, uh, but much, much less likely. The Florida Panthers, essentially, from, from what I see, they need to almost win out to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, honestly, they need to at least go in their next – Seven games, you would hope they go at least five, one and one. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably about right. So, uh, actually, I have a, I have a little bit of kind of exciting, more personal news, but it is, it is uh, along the lines of hockey and and uh, and everything else. I, I don't know if you saw on Facebook. Uh, I actually was hired by Hockey Buzz to be a the Florida Panthers writer. Yeah, I was so, gonna. Yeah. I was wondering how long it was gonna take for us to bring that up. Because that's, that's <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm not technically an I'm not an employee of Hockey Buzz. I but I 
you know, I can freelancer. I, yes, exactly. I freelance for Hockey Buzz, but I am the uh, the sole Florida Panthers writer for their website. And they actually haven't had anyone writing on the Panthers for months. Uh, I wow. guess the guy who did it before, uh, his name was Dan Spiegel. I was like, yeah, I remember reading his stuff. I it's funny when I was interviewing for it, and they asked me, you know, you know, have you been reading the site long? I said, honestly, I've, I've been reading this site since maybe two thousand six. Like it's been a long time. I think it's been around since 05. During the lockout is when it really started to gain some steam. Uh, mm-hmm. And I went and I logged in and I, I looked at my login and it was like, yep, I've been a member since 2007. So And I, <laughs> and I had been reading it before then. I just never, I'm not a huge, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not always one of those guys who's going to go make a login for a website just to go read there, you know, but uh but yeah, anyway, so I'm writing for the Florida Panthers. So I've, I've, I kind of have been doing a lot more uh, investigating into the team. And uh, well, I was certainly familiar with them, you know, when you're focused on them, it just makes all, all the difference. And so when I was going into last night's game against Toronto, and I'm looking at it, there's, there's eight games left. In my mind, they could only lose two games from that point on, two games in regulation mm-hmm. at least. And so there's one. <laughs> that's yeah. uh there's one out of eight that you can lose so maybe one more game eight and it certainly can't be against ottawa ottawa's got nothing to play for you've got everything to play for they have to go out they have to beat the senators this needs to be an uh, not an easy win in the sense that you know you're going to go out there and just be able to float and win but it needs to be a game that you dominate from start to finish because you know what's at stake yeah, and I honestly, I, I was expecting that the other night against Vancouver, and they, they was a little disappointing. Florida playing Vancouver? Yeah, wasn't it? They played Vancouver, and they lost the other day? Or am I mistaken? Mm, no, that wasn't Florida. Oh, yeah, okay. That's okay. We'll look up who, who played Vancouver a couple nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was Vancouver. No. All right, fair enough. I was like, yeah, anyways, uh, but yeah, the... The Florida Panthers are it's, – it's interesting because when you look at a team, anytime a team has a late run, which they have you know, since February or so, they've been fantastic and uh, have only lost a few games in regulation. And so it's just been a wild ride for the Panthers. But anytime that happens, you always have to wonder a couple of things. You know, at what point has that team gone? I, I know uh, hearing interviews with Vinny Trocek back when, you know, maybe mid-March when things were – it was like, okay, this team's really turned it around – and they're saying, you know, we had this loss against whoever it was late January. And and that was it was after that game that we decided, all right, we need to hone in here and get going. And, and they did. Now, there's there's plenty of teams that have that come to Jesus moment and nothing happens. Nothing changes. And they, you know, they, they continue to lose because they're a bad team. Uh, with the Panthers, obviously, they, they started to win. But the question is, you know, did they start to win because they went – Guys, we're basically out of it. We need to just, let's see if we can play our way back in here. And they loosened up. And Mm -hmm. in that loosening up, they've played better. Uh, And now, when it's come into crunch time, when it's like, okay, we have to win. I mean, look at last night against the Leafs. The Leafs essentially have nothing to play for. They were playing for, what, the record for most wins in a Maple Leaf season? Um, Right. I mean, they technically haven't clinched the playoffs, but... 
they're not going to miss the playoffs. They, they, you know, they, they're just not at this point. No. You're going to, you're going to snag one. They play Montreal yet. Still, they're, they're going to be fine. Uh, but the Florida Panthers had everything to play for, and well, they did manage to almost come. You know, they they made it four three. It was four two, and they made it four three with a, a minute and a half left with the goalie pulled. So, I mean, take that as as what it is. But it, you're starting, I think, maybe to see that this team, now that there's pressure again, are they as good as they've been in February and March? Or is it going to be like the start of the year where there was some pressure and this team was supposed to be able to compete for a playoff spot and they weren't able to? Is the pressure what's stopping this team because they aren't really that good? It's just when you play loose, you're, you can sometimes play better. Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment to say. And, you know, you look at a team like, for example, you know, Edmonton, they've they've really had nothing to play for, you know, the last month and a half. And, you know, they've been rolling and same with Arizona. So you look at when teams start, you know, playing a little looser with nothing really to, you know, to, to no care in the world, basically. And they're just going out there and just having fun and or, you know, looking to pad their stats and teams just sort of find ways to win. Yeah. And I, th- I think it also shows the. You know, hockey can be a very luck-based sport. I mean, of course, over the course of 82 games, it's not luck in 82 games for the most part. You know, there's not too many times is a team going to get lucky 60 times. Um, right. But in a one single game, anybody can be anybody. And, and by the way, the Vancouver game that I think you maybe were thinking of, um, mm-hmm. could it be Dallas or Anaheim? Because Vancouver beat both of them 4-1 earlier Die. in the week. Anaheim, that was it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, both those teams, lots to play for. And again, Vancouver coming in loose and they, they managed to beat them. So, yeah. And I mean, I, I witnessed that the other day with, um, you know, Detroit playing Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh's still trying to hold on to that, that number two spot to get home ice in the Metro for the first round, at least. And, uh, you know, they, they walk into Detroit thinking they could probably, you know, not necessarily come away with an easy win, but it should have came a little bit easier uh, in Detroit. Just, you know, playing a little looser, went out there and the fourth liners, third liners got it done for Detroit. Yeah. Pittsburgh. I think if you're, if you're Pittsburgh and you look at the standings right now, you're tied with Philadelphia. You got a game in hand. You both have 92 points. I mean, mm-hmm. in reality, you've got Columbus on your butt. If Columbus wins their next game, they jump Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, yeah, they, you know, every, and everyone shuffles down. I mean, there's, there still is, I, I'd say, I mean, mathematically have the penguins clinched. No, but the Penguins would have to completely lose out and the Panthers would have to almost completely win out in order for the Penguins to miss the playoffs. That, that's not going to happen. That's Even if the no. Penguins lose a couple games in overtime, they're still going to make the playoffs. So they're in the playoffs. But, I mean, they're in a position where they could be this, the two, the three, or the first wild card spot, which yeah. is, I mean, it's not a spot you want to be in. And so, that, I mean, yeah, they, they need to... Tonight against the Devils, that's that's a great way to get some separation uh, by going in and beating a team that's that's just below you in the standings. A team that realistically, if the Devils win tonight, they're two points back of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. so they've got a legitimate shot. And then they they would only be two points back of Philly, who they actually have a game in hand on. And so there's there's a lot of moving parts uh, to this, and and I think it's also important to remember that. You know, these are the overtime losses can just it can be almost be annoying because you're like, OK, that team lost, but they're still getting points. So they're still moving up the standings 
and uh, it can kind of throw it throw it off a little bit. But yeah, yeah it's, Philly is the prime example for that. You look at every other team from the Metro in the playoffs right now. Not a single one of them is close to ten. Besides New Jersey's got eight for overtime losses, and Philly at fourteen. 14. They, I mean. Put them, put them over the top. Yeah, if if Philly had the same amount of points or the same amount of overtime losses as uh, as New Jersey or as or yeah as New Jersey, I mean you would look at it six less points as Columbus. That's nine less points. They're out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I wonder what what is the most overtime losses for a playoff team in history. That's a very good question. That's a that's a question we will pose to all of you. You can throw that out to us, and we'll, I'm sure we can look up the answer. Here, uh, but it might require some digging. I don't know if that'll just be like a Yahoo Answers kind of thing, but that that would be an interesting. I, I have a feel. I feel like somebody lost like seventeen one year, and, I'm and look made that the playoffs. Up. But um, yeah. So well, let's let's uh, shuffle here from the playoff race for a moment. Um, I I know that I I just got done saying that I'm covering the Florida Panthers for Hockey Buzz, and so uh, because of that, I actually just wrote. A post today on Adam Masserin. Uh, I actually don't know how to say his name. M a s c h e r i n. Masserin. Masserin is how I'm going to say it. So if I'm wrong, so be it. But anyways, Adam M. Uh, he is a winger for the Kitchener Rangers. He was a second round pick for the Florida Panthers in 2016. They spent their 38th overall pick on him, and it was a week ago that Craig Custance from the Athletic reported that he has told uh, that Adam Masterin has told the team that he won't be signing with Florida and that he will re-enter the draft. And so then the the rumor from there was that Dale Talon was going to seek a trade to try and just recoup some assets. You know, he spent a second round pick on him. So if he's able to get a third or fourth round pick uh, to avoid this guy going back into the draft and losing him for nothing, then so be it. Uh, and that would be the way that it would go. And then actually Elliot Friedman came on his 31 thoughts uh, this last week. And, and he said the reason for, um, for this, like, I mean, this kind of came out of nowhere. All of a sudden he's just not going to sign with the Panthers, which is, which is unusual. It doesn't happen very often that a pick that high decides to just go, nah, I'm just going to go get drafted again. Uh, and so he tells, he, he, he said that there was a, "Quote unquote broken telephone that made some things worse than it needs to be." Apparently, what happened? There was a another reporter, Scott Wheeler, for the Athletic. He tweeted back in September a series mm-hmm. of tweets that said the following: "Spoke to Adam Masterin about his shoulder. And Masterin hurt his shoulder in the during in the season and, and uh, was shut down in April uh, in his junior season with the Kitchener Rangers. And uh, so he had shoulder surgery." This says uh, he's he said he's feeling good ahead of schedule hopeful for hopeful for opener the opener for the Kitchener Rangers that is and he's skating been skating since June. Uh, this next tweet says Masserin says he hasn't heard from the Panthers since May. Doesn't know what happened with Hurricane. What's happening with camp? He says I haven't spoken to them at all. I have no idea what's going on. So all this. To be said, there's you know there's been many multiple articles written on this story that Masterin isn't going to resign with the Panthers, and what's going on with Panthers organization? Like how how is it that they didn't call him? I I mean that's you got to think it's a a professional hockey team not calling their second round draft pick and inviting him to camp seems strange. Like that's 
you, you, I'm 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 gonna think of this as like let's say this is the Montreal Canadiens or this mm-hmm. is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we find out that their second round pick, who obviously in Toronto everybody knows who their second round pick was. I mean, their second round pick, uh, like Travis Dermott. People would go, "Why wasn't Travis Dermott invited to camp?" You know, right. that's that's weird. Uh, we want to know what's going on, and there would be a it would be a lot bigger of a story because it's Toronto, but. Uh, just because Florida doesn't mean it doesn't matter. A second round pick wasn't invited to camp. It definitely raises some some eyebrows and makes us wonder why. Uh, so apparently, though, now now see there was all this out there, right? So uh, I mean that that was pretty much it. And any article pretty much ended there. Like, hey, this has been going on. There's, you know, he was upset at them. They didn't call him, and so he's pissed and that's why he doesn't want to go there. Right. That's is, mm-hmm. have, did you hear anything different? Was that pretty much along the lines of what, what you had heard as well? Yeah, that was, that was the end of it. No, I mean, nothing further, no follow-ups, nothing that I, I found. Yeah. So I went digging and I actually found an article in the sun Sentinel, which is Broward County's daily newspaper right in Florida. Mm-hmm. And there was an article, a piece done by this guy, Matthew DeFranks, he did a, a, a piece on Masser, and it was December 15th, 2017. And in this piece, he, he's just talking to him about the season. And, you know, it was just kind of a almost it seemed like a little fluff piece. Like, oh, yeah, our, our pick's doing great. And not that anybody in the Sun Sentinel cares that much about the second round <laughs> pick. But it's a way to, it's probably, a, you know, oh, we need a story. Let's do a story on some of the prospects and how they're doing. And they probably throw them in from time to time, which I, I'm sure that some people that that are there. They read the, they read the Panthers news cause it's close by, but um, mm-hmm. it kind of is hidden in this article. It's actually towards the bottom, which as, as we both know, most people read the first little bit and then they're done with it. Uh, he says that he actually, uh, when he got off to a slow start in this 27, 2017, 18 season, he actually reached out to the Panthers. Uh, Brian McCabe is their director of player personnel. We all remember Brian McCabe, right? Defenseman for the mm-hmm. Leafs, and and he actually played for the Panthers as well. Um, he did. And Masserin says, they just said, relax and play your game. The points will come, but it's more about just working on your overall game. And he said, and I feel like I've done a good job of that, taking their advice from the start of the year. And then he says that he talked to the Panthers about once a week, and had dinner with McCabe on Monday night, which would have been, you know, earlier in December. December, I don't know what day of the week December 15th is, but not that far off from that particular date. He says, or if I have questions, I reach out myself, right? We've had a good relationship so far this year. And they, he actually asks him about not having a contract and um, reentering the draft. And he says they wanted to make sure they're making an investment in the right person and the right player. However much, much time they think however much time they think they need, things will work out for the best regardless of what happens. I'm really not worried about it. So whether you sign a piece of paper today or tomorrow or next month, it's not going to make me a better player. Just focus on finishing my year out strong. Doesn't sound like a player who's being ignored by his organization, if you ask me. Yeah, or even a player who's mad at his organization, for that matter. Right. It sounds like he's perfectly fine in December when he's talking to this reporter about his relationship with the Panthers. Doesn't doesn't sound like, like if I read that and I'm in December, I'm not sitting there going, oh shoot, he might not sign with us. Now I know, I know he says he's not worried about it and things will work out for the best regardless of what happens. He kind of leaves room for maybe something if he doesn't happen to go back, but 
the the report was coming out that nobody was talking to this guy. And I go and I find this article and he's saying, oh, yeah, I'm talking to them once a week. I just went out to lunch with Brian McCabe. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense to me. No. And so when I when I think about when I thought about this, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm trying to process, all right, why, you know, why is this coming out that nobody's talking to him? Why is he, you know, this story that's kind of the, essentially the message has been that he's unhappy with the team. That's the narrative. To me, though, uh-huh. he wasn't unhappy with the team. Somebody went, dude, the contract that they're offering you, you get more. You need more. Look at what you're doing in the OHL, which, which he, he's like ninth in scoring in the OHL. He, he's doing fine. Uh He's on a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is a money thing. And it's being masked as, well, the Panthers weren't weren't good to me. But this is huh. a this is a money thing. I, I'm when this is and this is pure speculation, mind you. This is just what I see from the outside is that they are trying to get him more money, whether whether it's with Florida or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, but you know, there's so many bonuses and stuff involved in these the entry level deals. Mm-hmm. It just seems like maybe they wouldn't give him the kind of money that he thought he deserved playing well in the OHL. And he thought, well, maybe I can get more from someone else. You know, if, if he's able to get get traded or go back into the draft, maybe he can get more with another team. Yeah, and that's the thing too. If so, say for instance, you know, and I'm not 100 percent sure about the rule. Maybe maybe you know better than I do. But if a player re-enters the draft, you know, is he? I I believe he's not allowed to be drafted by the the team that originally drafted him. Is that correct? You know, I do not know. I th- I would guess that he could be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so no, they they so could, but they, they probably wouldn't. <laughs> Although it would be right. really funny if they did. <laughs> right, exactly. So say even if the motive behind this is money and he reenters the draft to say, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll try my hand with another team and, you know, hopefully things work out better contract-wise, right? So he gets redrafted by the Panthers and he's right back in the same situation. Now, in the back of my mind, you know, after reading this article here, the first thing that came to mind was, you know, with – the whole situation behind with management and ownership with Gerard Gallant, for instance, you know, there seemed to be a little dysfunctionality there. And, you know, it makes me wonder if, you know, he's not really sold on Panthers management. So he's like, okay, what if I try to, you know, play this off as, you know, we don't have a a good relationship or, or maybe somebody else is doing that, you know, behind Panthers management, because this kid doesn't want to play ball and doesn't want to play, you know, for the Panthers and is thinking, okay, he's, he's going to go reenter the draft or try to get moved to go somewhere else because he doesn't believe that, you know, the management structure here is the right type, or maybe even he just doesn't think that Florida is going to, going to win long-term. Holy crap. You, you could potentially play with Barkov or Trocek. <laughs> right. And I'm, this I'm would be a great situation for because, the kid, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me anyways, I, I still think Barkov is, you know, easily top five, top 10 sentiment in the league. So, you know, why wouldn't you want to play with a guy like that? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, obviously he's, it's, yeah, it's, it's always tricky because you wonder now, one thing that I, I didn't know when I wrote the, when I wrote my article, um, Mm -hmm. was who his agent is. I'm not sure the agent's name, uh, but I did, this is, you know, somebody, somebody commented on, I actually asked, if anybody knew who his agent was, and they said that it's, they, they had heard that he is the same agent as Zach Hyman on the Leafs, 
Now, if you oh. know where Zach Hyman was drafted originally, it was the Florida Panthers. So maybe this agent just has something with Dale Talon, or I, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea. But it, it does. It's it's just a little yellow flag to go. Hmm, interesting. They traded Zach Hyman. You know, is this uh, is it have something to do with the agent? I don't know, but it's just another thing to throw onto the fire of this whole situation. It, it's weird, and and then from here, what do you do if you're Florida? Do you do you just go, okay, fine, we'll trade you for a fourth round pick and let some team sign your second round pick for a fourth round pick that you you know whether or not you think he's good enough, it doesn't really matter. Maybe, you know, maybe at this point the Panthers are going, well, we actually don't. The way that he's developed, we we think that maybe he's we wouldn't have taken him with our second round pick anymore. But that doesn't really matter. They spent a second round pick on him, so are they going to give him up for less than that? I think okay. So if if you're Florida, you basically have two scenarios playing out: one, you trade him, or two, he goes back into the draft. Because obviously, it seems like to me from all the information that I've been gathering is that he's tried to sign or they've tried to sign him and it's just not working out, which is why I got to this point. Right, so, right, right. And he said, he told them apparently that I'm I'm going to re-enter the draft. Right. So if you're Florida, do you just let him go for free or do you at least try, like you said, get a fourth round or something out of it? Because in, in that case, then you've just wasted a second round pick on a guy who potentially could wind up just, you know, playing against you down the road or, you know, what have you. Now, yes. I think that that's the short-term thought. And that was my initial thought was get whatever you can for this guy because if he's going to leave, you might as well get something for him and you know, you know, maybe create a little bit of a bidding war. Maybe you do get a third-round pick from somebody uh, if they really like him and they have a, you know, they're, they're, some team is thinking, oh, we'd probably get him in the third round anyways, so why don't we just make the trade now and we, we don't have to worry about anything. See, to me, though, the long-term problem is who's the next guy who tries this with Florida or frankly with any team, you know, oh, sure. what, what's stopping, what's stopping him from going, um, you know, the next guy, I don't want to play for Florida. So, or I don't want to play for this team. So I'm just going to let, let my thing run out. I'll reenter the draft and call it a day. I saw he did it and he was successful and he got traded to the team he wanted to go to. So I'm going to do the same thing. Sure. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, your average fourth, fifth rounder is probably not going to try to pull that card just because, again, you know, unless they have a really, really good season, you know, their rookie year and juniors or whatever, or, you know, the OHL, like you said, he's having a pretty decent season, ninth in scoring, you know. Um, but your, you know, your depth guy that maybe drafted in the sixth or seventh round is not going to do that. So, but a you know, second or third round pick, good first or second rounders. Right, right. Yeah. The, the, those, and, you know, it, it does come back to, maybe a little bit earlier is, you know, they, they could have signed him to a contract pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Like, there was nothing stopping them from signing him the summer they drafted him. If you draft a guy, I understand maybe waiting a year. It, see, I think the problem was this, is that they waited the year, which is normal. A second round pick, you don't always sign them right out, right out in their draft year. You know, you let them go right. back and, and you let them marinate a little bit and, and sometimes that second round pick might not want to sign a deal because maybe they go, well, I can go back to junior and I can have a good year and maybe make a little bit more in incentives or, uh, you know, maybe I, I kind of move up a little bit in the, the way that people th- see me as, uh, but, Oh, where was I going with, uh, yeah, with Masterin, it just, it does not, 
Oh, I can't even remember. Wow, wow. I just totally brain farted. <laughs> Don't even know where I was going with that. Where was I going well, with that? <laughs> I mean, okay, so so what what I'm gathering is basically it, this seems to be a much deeper issue with maybe Florida management and the way they handle contracts. Yeah, right? oh yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, it, it, they could have signed them earlier. They, they could have, yeah. okay, but oh, this is where I was going. Now it, came, it just came back to me. Uh, <laughs> when he was probably would have been signed. He had a shoulder injury. So mm-hmm. did they say, well, he just had a shoulder injury. Let's wait and see what he does this year in juniors. And, and thinking that, oh, we can sign, you know, if all is good, we'll sign him and it'll be fine. But if he kind of struggles, then cool. We didn't waste a contract on him. That, that could have been their thought. And I could understand maybe how mm-hmm. a player would go. You, you really didn't, you didn't want to sign me back when I was hurt, and now that I'm finally good, you, now you're willing to sign me. I, I could I could see it, but you have to look at it from a business standpoint. You don't want to sign a guy who's injured at the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even so, I mean, you take an NHL example, right? You had, I mean, not that this necessarily is the same type of thing, but you had Mike Green basically injured here at the trade deadline no one wanted to trade for him because you know you don't know what's going to play out with his injury and everybody's probably you know wiping their foreheads thinking phew we dodged a bullet because now he's out for the year same situation you know if you're the florida panthers management you're like well let's let's not rush to judgment here and give him you know a big deal because we don't know what this kid really is going to do with his shoulder injury you know because i've seen guys before where they get shoulder injuries and just aren't the same so you know, maybe they're they're looking to play it out, and and I, I completely understand. Like you said, from a management standpoint, it's you know it's the safe play. You know, he's a second round pick. It's not like you know he's a potential superstar. You know, Austin Matthews type player. You know, where or Nolan Patrick, for example, who's coming out of the draft with an injury, but you still sign him, right? Because he's right. got that superstar potential. Yeah, you wouldn't have picked him if you thought he was if you thought yeah. he wasn't wasn't going to be healthy. Exactly. Yeah, and it, I when I when I the the little bit of scouting I did, you know, watching some YouTube videos and reading some stuff about Masterin is that he has maybe the hardest shot in all of junior wow. as a hardest snapshot, like a snapshot wrist shot that it's mm-hmm. just crazy fast. Uh, reminded me of like Martin Furk. Oh, wow. And like that kind of just put a hole in your glove kind of shot. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we all know how good Martin Furk is. Uh, right, he's playing on the fourth line. Yeah, so, I mean he's a, he's a nice little specialty player, and that's fine. And that that I mean maybe Masterin's better. Maybe, maybe he ends up being somebody like that. Uh, either way, I don't think that this makes or breaks the Florida Panthers in terms of not having him. But I think that it's it's worth losing out on a fourth round pick to just say you don't want to play here. Good luck. You go get drafted somewhere else. That team that drafts you, they're going to have your rights for another three years after that. So have fun. You're going to have to sign with whoever picks you or yeah. you can sign with us, which, which there's Florida's not a bad organization. They, they, they haven't, I mean, they, they had some weird stuff happen last year. And if, if we took last year and just kind of scrubbed it out, I don't think that we would look at this organization and go, they're poorly run. We would just look at them and say, well, this is a team that has struggled for a while. It looks like though, right now where they sit with Barkov and Trocek, Huberdo, down the down the middle, they're they're great. And like Jared McCann down the middle, and uh, uh, and then you've got oh, who was the guy that they the right winger that they took last year in the, the draft, the redheaded kid. Uh, anyways, they're they're top prospect from the last draft. I mean, they they look like they 
are going to have some some players coming up, and and not to mention Aaron Ekblad and. Uh, and their their goaltending has been solid. Whoever whoever has hopped in there since they've been playing better, whether it's Reimer or Luongo, they've played very well. So, and when I look at this team, I it's it's a team that I'd be down to play for because there's no pressure. There's not a lot of you know you're you're not getting a ton of people in your face. And whereas you go to a place like Toronto or you're drafted by New York or something, you know you've got a lot more internal pressure and and external from your fans so I, I think that it's a good situation you also don't have to pay tax so that helps too oh yeah yeah and speaking of uh florida panthers so i went and dug a little bit on hockey reference and came up with an answer to our most overtime losses to uh-huh, make it to look at you yeah uh that is the florida panthers the southeast division winners from 11 12 with uh, 18 wow all right so i was close with 17 I didn't yeah. think it was the Florida Panthers though. Wow, that's uh and if they if they hadn't had an let's say they had only had five, where would they have finished that year? That's a very good question. <laughs> but okay, we've we've spent enough time talking about a sec <laughs> an unsigned second round pick out of Kitchener. Uh let's uh let's move on a little bit. Uh where do you want to go next? Shall we uh Shall we talk a little bit about the Hart Trophy and Connor McDavid, who has? Yeah, I mean he's come out of nowhere almost. Not nowhere. It's not like we didn't know who he was, but uh, it seemed like he was, you know, maybe going to finish somewhere in the bottom of the top ten and still have a really nice season. But uh, he has, I mean, with five games left to go, he could still end up with more than one hundred point, one hundred and ten points. He's already at one hundred and two points. He's a plus twenty two. I mean, I, I think this is maybe the most impressive part about it. He's a plus 22 on a, on a team that is overall a minus 26. Yeah, and I think that's that speaks volumes about how much he drives play for that team and how much offense goes through him. Yeah, they've scored 224 goals, and he has 102 points. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's not even including just the goals that he was on the ice for. That's right. just goals that he was a part of the stat line for. So, I mean, if you're going goals that he was on the ice for, he, he's probably upwards of 60% of the Oilers' goals. That's insane. Yeah. That That is insane. And when you look at the definition of the Hart Trophy, a most valuable player to his team, without McDavid, would the, would the Edmonton Oilers have less than 180 goals <laughs> on the season? <laughs> Would they maybe be the worst offensive team in the history of the league? They they very well could be because you look at guys like, for instance, Lucic. I think in his last forty games, he's only got one goal. Guys who are expected to score on that team, and you know, you got this young up and comer Ty Ratty now that everybody's talking about in Edmonton. But you know, how much of his success has been driven because he's playing on that top line with Connor McDavid? Yeah, yeah, and I would, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just there's just nothing there's. You look at any player that plays with McDavid, and how can you look at them and go, yeah, they would totally do this on their own. <laughs> right. I think it was a quote the other day. I can't remember. Oh, man, who was it? I wish I wish I knew now because it was – I laughed a little bit when I saw this, but, he, but they basically said, I could put my dad with Connor McDavid, and they'd still get 100 points <laughs> through the season. <laughs> so the Chicago Blackhawks in 1953-54, they had a mm-hmm. record of 12-51-7. and they wow. scored 133 goals. Now, this wasn't wow. 70 games, 
but it was still 133 goals. They had a negative That's less than two a game. A negative 109 differential mm. in that. That's uh, mm. yeah, yeah. That's that hurts. Uh, now, if we're if we're going goals against, then we're definitely going to have to scoot over to the 1974-75 Washington Capitals. The Capitals, yes. 67 and five. They scored 181 goals in 80 games and let in 446. <laughs> they had a goal differential of 265. Unreal. A minus 265. And they had 21 points on the year. So that wow. that is the worst season in the history of the of the NHL. That that team, I, I believe they went on a 30-game losing streak or 39-game losing streak on the road or something. Something, something insane. They won one road mm. game. That that was yeah, maybe maybe in the summertime we'll have to do uh, our top ten for like the worst teams ever. That would be fun. Oh, that would be great. That would be fun. Uh, is there anything else that you want to hit on? You know, since we spent uh, twenty minutes talking about Adam Masserin and uh, <laughs> Connor McDavid, all these te- all these players on losing teams. Uh, is there anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here for the weekend? Uh, maybe talk about some some upcoming games because you know tonight. You know, you look at games that mean something. You know, we got Tampa Bay going to Boston tonight, and, you know, they're one point separated. And, you know, I love when you get big games like that. And, you know, again, like like we talked about earlier with New Jersey and Florida, you know, the tight race there, the games that are going on with Pittsburgh, and, um, you know, what a big difference those can make. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind touching on maybe the games going on over the weekend. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, Friday, I, I'm and by the time people are listening to this, Eh, those the games on Thursday will be done, but um, yep. a Friday the Kings play the Ducks. That's a huge interdivision game. Uh, those those games are always good, and I mean the winner of that will essentially uh, give themselves a solid cushion in the Pacific Division. So the winner of that game will go into the third spot in that division, and uh, yeah, they'll should probably close to solidify their positioning there. And then at the same time, the Blues take on the Golden Knights. So. And, yeah. and that that game is the free game on NHL.tv, so you can watch that game for oh, Frizzle. Don't even have to stream it illegally. Frizzle? All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say something sad is that the Oilers-Flames, they play each other on Saturday. Oh. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, I would have had high hopes looking ahead at the schedule, going, man, in the last four games of the season, two teams that could be – towards the top of the Pacific Division face-off against each other at what might be, you know, a battle of the two threes. Instead, it's just a battle for who's going to finish higher in the in the lottery <laughs> pick. It's just kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, well, the Islanders play the Devils. That's a, you know, any anytime we're looking at playoff race stuff. Panthers and Bruins is a, a very interesting. Actually, another free game. I, I keep picking out the free Ooh. games for NHL.TV. I should get a sponsorship here. Uh, <laughs> they play at 1 p.m. on Saturday, so that's that's always fun. There's there's a couple. There's oh, a 1 yeah. p.m. Detroit plays the Senators at 2 p.m. Always fun to have hockey going all day. But Panthers and Bruins, uh, honestly, a big test for the Panthers. Can they beat the Bruins? Who they, The Panthers play the Bruins three times in the final wow. seven games. <laughs> so good, wow. luck, good luck to that, Panthers. Uh, and and Bruins for the Bruins, it's a good test because they're going to play a team who is desperate for wins here at the end, which should simulate playoff hockey pretty well for them. Uh, 
Can the Bruins move ahead of Tampa Bay? I get that. That's a great question. What What do you think? At this point, they're a point back. They're playing each other tonight, so it really the outcome of tonight's game doesn't matter that much because there'll be a point separated or three points. There's still a chance. Who ultimately takes that spot? Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because you have Stamkos, you know, coming back into the fold now for Tampa, and apparently, according to uh, you know what I've been reading, the Bruins are finally going to get healthy now this weekend. So they're getting guys back. Yeah, uh, you know, they, we know they just signed Chara to that one-year deal. Um, but the bigger question is, you know, how healthy are both these teams? And, you know, Tampa's been on a little bit of a slide. You know, they've been – they started out the season so hot, and now they're they're not finishing as hot as maybe I would have expected them. And Boston doing just the opposite. It's hard to just chug along the whole year. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Now, there but, is one game on Sunday – Actually, there's two games that are pretty There's a bunch of good games on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Boston plays Philadelphia, so you've got two two pretty top teams in there. Number ones against number ones. You've got Predators against the Lightning playing each other. Yep. And then Capitals-Penguins at 7.30. And then 9 o'clock, the Ducks play the Avs. Fantastic. So many good games. All playoff races going on. Yeah, it's just that's... That'll be a fun one. And the fact that, you know, Tampa, Tampa, Nashville is a potential Stanley Cup final. I think a lot of people will have both those teams in the final. So that's a, uh, that'll be a little crazy finish. So, yeah, that was my preseason pick. So, Justin, we have like 10 days left in the regular season. That is the so regular impressive. season ends on the 8th, I believe. Yes, it is the 8th. Oh, Sunday, April 8th. Why is that depressing? Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Happy for playoff hockey. It's one of my favorite times of year. But... Oh, because the wings won't be there anymore. <laughs> oh, I wasn't. I wasn't joking. I, uh-huh. I, I wasn't trying to rub it in. I thought maybe that was why you were sad. No, but that—that that is. I mean, that is part of it. Absolutely. I are you know, sad that baseball is starting and all the highlights are just going to be home runs now? You know what I. Even I'm though... not as much as you know for for those who are listening and and maybe aren't from the Detroit area. Opening day for the Tigers is like celebrating July 4th here. It's just a huge ordeal. Glad it was canceled. Everybody loves it. <laughs> and I'll be, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I could care less about opening day. Yeah. Well, especially because there's really low hopes for the Tigers this year anyways. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, last game of the season, Sunday, April 8th, there is one single game. Panthers play the Bruins. Yeah, the makeup game. That's, uh. That's it. They played the Sabres the night. The Panthers played the Sabres the night before. The night before, almost everybody plays. So you know that'll be uh, most teams will finish out their season on on Saturday. A couple on Friday, but yeah, it'll be. We've got really we've got what two shows left until uh, yeah until playoffs. So yeah, we'll be back here on uh, on Tuesday, and yeah, we, we hope you guys have a great weekend, Justin. Happy Easter to you. Hey, our, happy Easter uh, you to know, you as well and to Passover, all of our listeners. Easter, Passover, I think it's all on the same day, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I do. yeah, that's okay. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so you enjoy your weekend, and we will be back. You can hit us up on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Uh, and, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, answer your questions. We will be prepping for a, a nice little playoff preview show, so look for that coming in, in a week. Once everything has been decided and uh, definitely excited about this playoff chase down the stretch and we'd love to hear your thoughts and we'll talk to you soon.